This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is contacttalkradio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on tunein.com, hing.fm, and upsnap mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. I want to thank a couple of people before we get into introducing my guest today. I want to thank my partners over at Halton Honda for kindly believing in me and for sponsoring Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I want to also thank my C-Suite Radio Network family over in New York for also graciously believing in me, where you can find my host page, where all podcasts are soon then uploaded after the live show. So I am joined by yet another phenomenal guest today. My guest is a gentleman by the name of Brent Jensen. So who is Brent Jensen? Well, what I can tell you is that Brent Jensen is a music critic, best-selling author, and host of the popular No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen podcast series. His three books are focused on the emotional connection we have with music, urging readers to learn more about themselves and their emotional identities through a deeper consideration of their favorite songs. Jensen recently left a long career in corporate finance to co-found the Firefly Group of Companies, which facilitates his speaking engagements, a music-based off-site team-building program, an exclusive public speaking seminar, and other related projects. So, Brent, welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. That was a great intro. Well, thank you. And, you know, I just wanted to pinpoint to the listening audience We've had, uh, it's been an honor and a privilege for me. We connected on LinkedIn. I just absolutely love LinkedIn. I find there's a lot of like-minded people who I refer to tribe, and I really believe that vibe attracts tribe. And so as a result of you and I having connected, realized that we run in similar circles, I thought, this is great. We've got to have Brent on the show. And I'm also going to be having you doing some filming and production on uh, TV with me. I'm living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald next week. So I just want to say this is such a pleasure to have you here. I think what you're doing is phenomenal. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's great to be here. Well, what I'm going to do, and this is unscripted for everybody who knows me, I I really believe in uh, organic conversation because you never quite know where it's going to flow. And uh, But the one standard question that I do always ask, particularly at the introduction and at the top of the hour, is what is the inception of your journey? How did everything that you're doing now come to align for you? Um, I started, I would say, probably about 2009 by um, writing for 
uh, webzines and magazines and that sort of thing. And, and, and it was in a musical capacity. So I was a music critic. And basically, you know, I would write about records that I used to listen to when I was a kid um, because there was a huge revival of that music at the time. I grew up in the 80s as in I was, you know, a big hard rock and I was into the bands like Guns N' Roses and, and Van Halen and that stuff. And so I thought, you know what, I've got all of these uh, kind of articles and depictions of what it was like to kind of experience these music. So why this music? So why don't I just write a book? And so the common thread of the book basically was, um, you know, how music felt as opposed to how it sounded or even looked for, you know, a, a kid growing up in a really small town, cold and bored in, you know, 1986. Uh, I grew up in, in Northern Ontario, a small paper town up there by Sudbury. And so the book was a really personal book for me. And it, it came out in 2012. And I just kind of braced for impact after it went out and, um, you know, hope that somebody would, would relate to it. I mean, like surely somebody, you know, A was a huge music fan, but B had the same, you know, or similar experiences had been to the concerts or, you know, kind of hung out in record stores as I did when I was a kid. And sure enough, you know, one by one, I started to get these emails, Lisa, from like all over the place, from the UK, from the States, from, you know, Paraguay. And, uh, yeah. And, and it was, it was a really, really incredible experience for me. And so, um, you know, that gave rise to my second book, which was kind of a chronicle of what it was like to promote my first book, um, in the, in the Southern United States. And then my last book just came out last year and it was about, you know, that, um, that special kind of group of songs that really makes you feel something. And, and my, my podcast now is an extension of that idea that, you know, we, we've all got the songs that really kind of have an emotional pull on us. And um, yeah, so, so, you know, the books um, have done well, thankfully the podcast is going well and, and now I'm getting into corporate speaking. So I yeah. uh, just, just telling my story. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, Okay, I have a lot of simultaneous questions that came to me, which, you know, this is pretty natural thing. So uh, bear with me and I'm going to try and and hold the thread of thought in my own mind as I as I execute asking each single question that comes to me in no particular order. So, you know, in terms of music and this having resonated and I mean music is timeless and and you know we're all different and but we're also very similar. But the one thing that I think uh, culminates all of us, the tapestry of our lives with all of us is music resonates with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really, um, you know, it really evokes strong emotion. And sometimes we can't always put our finger on it. Sometimes it helps us through the cathartic times. Sometimes it's healing. Um, mm-hmm. But I would love to know from you, Brent, you know, what was your first vinyl album or your first cassette tape? What, what was the first band or the first song that truly resonated with you? And what would the reason for that be? Wow. Okay. So technically my first album, I believe was a Bay City Rollers record. I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you remember that band. Yeah, I do. When I was in, when I was in grade two, I used to, you know, they had that big plaid thing going on, right? Yeah. I think Scottish. And so I used to, I, I got my mom to, um, to sew pieces of plaid on my jeans. And I wore them to school. (laughs) Anyway, the the music that really, you know, the basic rulers is great, but I mean, I was in grade two or three. The the music that really kind of reached out and grabbed me was um, Kiss music. 
And, you know, when I was, I, I would say nine or 10 years old, um, there was a, a Kiss album called um, Kiss Alive 2. It was a live record that they had put out. And, uh, you know, there was a huge visual aspect, obviously, there too. I saw it in the record store and I had never heard of Kiss before. And it just really compelled me to reach for it and, and, and have a look at it. And, um, you know, as a, as a, as a small town kid, um, looking for those stronger sensations, Kiss was my my perfect band, right? Because at the time I was just kind of coming off cartoons as an eight or nine year old, <laughs> and so this was a, it was a the transition made sense, right? So looking for stronger sensations, the music was a, you know it was a little bit aggressive, but it was kind of poppy too. You know, it was just perfect to to kind of attract kids like me, um, and it was almost Pied Piperish that way, right? I just kind of really bought into this whole thing, and so that was the first record that really kind of you know, reached out and, and, and lifted me up by my shirt, literally. Um, yeah. And, and cassette, I, I think I bought a kiss cassette too. I mean, I was just so kiss crazy at that time that, you know, I was, I was completely into it. Fantastic. So let me ask you this then, you know, oftentimes people gravitate towards certain things because of how they perceive themselves at a certain stage in life. So what kind of a child, were you or prepubescent teenager, you know, were you gawky? Were you comfortable in your own skin? Were you rebellious? You know, who were you that perhaps maybe lends true to why you would have gravitated towards kiss specifically? I was that kid who was always curious as to what was on the other side of the fence. And, you know, I, I, I did have a little bit of rebellion in me. You know, I grew up in a family. Um, I had a single mom. So, and in a small town, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on my, uh, by myself. I was a bit of a loner. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I really identified with music and music for me was almost like an absent friend. And I really I made a, a significant emotional investment in that. And so, you know, that I always say it's, it's, it's kind of a joke that like I used to, I used to look at these records and think about them the way that, you know, intellectuals might think about like, you know, Shakespeare, Nietzsche or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I was, uh, I was a curious kid. I was a bit of a, you know, a rebellious kid. And, uh, you know, the, the kind of music that I listened to, um, it was almost like a jacket that I, that I tried on and it, and it fit well in that respect. Love it. Absolutely love that metaphor. So when you're feeling nostalgic or you're feeling melancholy, what do you, what do you gravitate towards? That's a good question. I talked a lot about this in my last book, All My Favorite People Are Broken. When I was a kid, I said that, you know, earlier I was a loner and, um, you know, you kind of get lonely, right? I I didn't have a lot of friends when I was a kid. I kind of kept to myself. And um, I really identified with, um, you know, sad music. And so, you know, the first really sad song that I think I really kind of connected with and identified with was that song called Send in the Clowns. Do you remember that song? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of dating myself here, but, you know, I, I, I'd seen the, I was watching, you know, some award show or something like that. It was like American Music Awards, whatever. And they had these really big productions, right? Barbara Streisand might have been singing it. I don't remember, but um, you know, it was it was this clown and these other clowns, and the one clown was by himself, and there was this like solemn spotlight, and the rest of the stage was dark, and this clown was sad, and it was, I was just like, oh my god, this is like <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you know? But something about that really kind of gripped me when I was a kid, and I think that 
you know, when people are lonely and sad, um, they, they really look to music to kind of envelop themselves in it. And, and I don't know, I don't know if it makes you feel better or what. And I've always said, you know, I don't know if sad songs, they're important to me, but I don't know if they, if they make the holes in my heart or if they fill the holes in my heart. I still don't know that, but there's something to them that I attach myself to. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps a bit of both, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. I think it is, yeah. Right? We often coexist and live within dualities. Uh, call it emotions, call it whatever. So, but I love the way that you express things and, and illustrate things. I get strong visuals when you when you talk, so I can tell you're very much a writer as well. Love it. <laughs> um, now, in terms of writing, so I want to because I want to go back and forth between music uh, writing and podcasting. Uh, because of course I, I share all of that with you. So in terms of writing the book, you know, oftentimes people will say writing the first book is always the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel it's, it gets easier given that you've written three or is it a different unique journey altogether with each individual, uh, piece of material that you write your content or is the the experience and everything that you go through because you don't always necessarily know what you don't know in the first one you kind of tackle a lot of things and then you get your feet wet so what's the process from book one to book two to book three that's a good question um first off i would tell you that book one is the hardest absolutely um you, you know book one was as i said earlier pieced together from a bunch of different ideas and and i just kind of you know threaded it through with um with the you know the common theme of my youth and stories and stuff like that but um you know lisa like i i wrote some of that on on a blackberry you know like i would just be walking and and i thought of something that i wanted to capture and i would just kind of capture it on my blackberry Mm -hmm. and so you know there's a there was a lot of piecing together um and in the editing process that's where the flow came and it's almost like a like a, like a piece of pottery, you know, on that pottery wheel where you kind of mold it with your hands and, and shape it and smooth it. And so, you know, I think it took me in terms of time, I think it took me like three or four years to write that first book. And the second one and third one comparatively were like, you know, five or six months. I just whipped those things off. Mm-hmm. And so, what was the, what was the catalyst for having written the first book and is some of the incentive or the motivation for writing the second and third book because you feel like, okay, I'm on a roll here. I want to keep this going. Uh, and there's the expectation of self that you've got to continually produce content or was it just something organically that unfolded for you? It was definitely something organically. I mean, I, I identified with myself as a writer and that was, I, you know, that was my personal brand in my mind. And that was something that I had always wanted to do. So when I did enjoy some success with the first book, then I thought like, this is it, this is what I want to do. You know, this is, this is who I am. And that's a nice feeling in itself. But, you know, it's funny because the second book actually arose from a guy who uh, used to work for Poison. If you wow. remember that band. Yeah, I do. So, yeah, this is, so, so I was saying earlier that I would get emails from people about the first book saying, Hey, you know, I can identify with your, your book because of this, this, and this. And so this guy from Florida um, sent me an email and said, Hey, you know, my name is, is such and such. And I used to work for Poison and I'm writing a book about, you know, what that was like. Or I have written the book and I'm, I'm actually promoting it now in the U.S. I really identified with your book. I love it. And I think that you should come down to Florida 
and co-promote with me. We'll go on a tour. We'll promote our books together. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, so this is either like a Dateline episode unfolding right now. <laughs> or, or this could be really cool. Uh-huh. Well, right, you're so, obviously here to tell the tale, so we know how this unfolded. You live so to it, tell the yeah. tale. So it wasn't a Dateline. So, <laughs> so um, you know, I looked the guy up. And, and he checked out. And so um, I went down there and I thought, you know what, this would be a really good book because we started in Tennessee and worked our way down to Orlando, Florida. And along the way, stopped at a bunch of places and just signed books. And, and he, it was really cool, Lisa, because he, he set the entire thing up. Wow. And so I just showed up with my books. So it was, a, it was a fantastic experience. But the cool thing was with the, the, there was a duality because, you know, on the surface, there was a lot of like hijinks and kind of, you know, drinking stories and stuff like that as you, as you kind of do this, this yes. kind of tour. But, you know, this, this underbelly was also there in the sense that I was meeting people who, who read my books. And, you know, some of these people, um, were literally stuck in the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, they, it was like, um, you know, no time had passed since 1986. They dressed the same way. They kind of thought the same way. And I mean, you know, there's this, there's a certain, um, kind of nobility in that, but it was just a really crazy experience to, to kind of look at these people eye to eye and, and be like, wow, you know, this is, this, this is the message you're getting from my book. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, okay. And what about book number three? So book number three was completely separate. So after, after the first two books, No Sleep Till Sudbury and Leftover People came out, um, you know, I kind of sat back and said, okay, so, you know, what's next? And it was a separate idea. A friend of mine that I had, uh, had known since my childhood, um, we would talk for decades about, you know, music and, and why it made you feel the way that it did and how it and so forth and, and just go back and forth, you know, like two geeks, you know, talking about the Rolling Stones and talking about, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen and so forth. So anyway, I said, you know what? I think you and I should get together and we're going to shut off the rest of the world and we're going to really figure this out. Because he had told me just before that, he said, you know, one of my favorite songs is, um, the great pretender by the platters. And I said, how can that be? That's like a 50 song. Like, you, you know, you, you're not, so what does that mean? And he said, well, you know, it reminds me of when, you know, my dad used to, my dad used to work a lot and travel a lot. And so my mom used to be sitting at home in the evenings, um, you know, with a glass of brandy, smoking a cigarette with the lights turned low in her nightgown, listening to The Great Pretender. And it just kind of really gets me when I hear that song. And I thought, wow, what a great concept mm. for a book. And so, you know, I said, I, I got to write a book about this, mm-hmm. you know, and the experience was he and I went out to um, this remote location in Banff, way up in the mountains. And he, he brought a playlist of those songs. I brought my own playlist, my songs. We brought a sound doc and two iPods and we went back and forth. Lisa, like he, I, I played a song, he played a song. And while the song was playing, uh, you talked about it, you know, mm-hmm. and you told the story about what it meant. And, it, and again, there was that duality because on the surface, you know, it was fun because we, you know, we're drinking beers and telling funny stories. But, you know, as I listened to him talk about his songs and he was bringing stuff like, you know, with Franklin and Springsteen and stuff that was a little bit more sophisticated because I grew up a metal kid. I was, you know, Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden and Motley Crue and those sorts of things. 
And so I started to develop this kind of complex thinking, like, <laughs> you know, what does is, what is it say about who I am? Mm-hmm. You know, and so the whole book is focused on music tells you who you are based on the types of music you gravitated to at certain points in your life. And you can learn a lot from that if you really listen to it. Absolutely. And who are you, Brent? Who am I? Mm-hmm. I am. I don't want to give the book away. Uh, <laughs> give us a little snippet then. Enough enough to tease us to want to go out and get it. All right. I'm going to tell you this. Okay. In the, in the, in the epilogue of the book. I kind of ripped the curtain right off the rod, basically talking about looking behind the curtain at your kind of, you know, yourself introspectively. I really make a very strong connection between the music that I gravitated to as a young kid and why based on, you know, how I was raised, my feelings, um, you know, that stuff. And it, it just all came together for me. Beautiful. Okay, yeah. well, I'm excited now. I got to get my hands on this book. <laughs> <laughs> and where do people find your books, Brent? The best place to find them is on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. And that, yeah. that last one's called All My Favorite People Are Broken. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's got a hollowness to it. Mm-hmm. But it but a depthness, like it's depth and hollowness. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um so in term, let's go back to musicians again, and it's going to interchangeably intersect with the topic of podcasting and with your books, uh, sure. et, cetera, et cetera. So which musicians passing, whether it's not even necessarily the genre that you've always felt more akin to per se, but which musicians passing since you have been alive, do you feel has been the most profound and impact has had the most profound impact on you? And why would that be Brent? Be David Bowie. Just because yeah. I was such a huge, huge David Bowie fan. And, um, you know, when I found that out, I mean, he wasn't particularly old, so it wasn't a surprise. Or it, was a, it was a tremendous surprise. And, um, you know, in typical Bowie fashion, nobody knew that he had cancer. And he just kind of, you know, um, had this plan. I don't know if you know much about his passing and what had happened, but he recorded this record called Black Star knowing that he was terminally ill. And so, um, the album was released right before he passed away or right after. I don't remember quite what it was, but, um, the songs were about, you know, his legacy and what he wanted to say to us, you know, posthumously, which is, which is just typical Bowie and, and the reason why I love him so much. So, um, you know, I was really saddened by that. And, you know, you hear about the people dying and it's terrible. I mean, Tom Petty again, surprise. But the one that really, really got me was certainly David Bowie. I loved him immensely. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was down to earth, but he was also very iconic. So it's kind of hard to, it, it, it's kind it's, it, I thought his passing, it was a really hard one for people to wrap their heads around. Um, mm-hmm. just because he, he magnified and exemplified so many different things that put him, kind of, I think, a little bit at arm's length, as relatable as he was in, in some respects in terms of his emotions that came through in the lyrics. He was just so iconic, like he was larger than life. He um, was. So it was, I think, really difficult for people to process that one. And I would have to agree with you on that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, and maybe your answer will be the same. It's a bit of a segue into the next thing that just kind of simultaneously popped into my mind. So maybe part mm-hmm. two question, maybe your answer is the same. but whose legacy in the industry do you believe has been the most timeless and has been the most 
paramount in terms of, um, you know, elevating the consciousness for the collective. You know, would that be hmm. David Bowie again, or would that be different? Um, just kind of doing a quick mental scan of the landscape. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody eclipses David Bowie in that respect. Mm-hmm. I, I would think David Bowie again. He was just, you know, the, the, just the concept of David Bowie and, and his legacy is so powerful that I, I can't, I mean, I might be missing something, but um, David Bowie is, is the guy that kind of comes up. Yeah. Mm. And so do you kind of put him in the same category for different reasons, perhaps, but in terms of the timelessness and being uh, ahead of his time, do you put John Lennon up there too? Yeah, I do. I I, I think that maybe because John Lennon passed away in 1980 that, um, you know, it's, there's been a lot of distance time wise between now and then. And, Right. Um, maybe that is the difference. Um, John Lennon, I mean, obviously was, a, was an immensely prolific songwriter up there yeah. with McCartney, of course. Um, but I, I put, I put Bowie in their company, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, that's a good question. I mean, Lennon was up there too, but I still, I still, I think that I identified more with David Bowie and, and there was a, a connectivity that I felt there. Maybe that's why. And in terms of David Bowie, because, I mean, he was always forever upping his game, changing his image. Uh, you know, he never got himself pigeonholed in any particular type of flavor that people would become comfortable with based on one album versus the next album that was mm-hmm. upcoming and his style of music. So within all of his changing of self and evolving, was there one kind of fashion phase or music phase or genre within Bowie that really spoke to you? where you thought he was maybe his strongest or he was his most, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but in terms of just going, okay, this, this guy, I mean, this is it. Like I get this guy now. I, I, I mm-hmm. you know, he's just really, he's just really emitted that energy uh, and he's made it very clear to his listeners, even in spite of all of his forever changing things and switching things up, he really got it this time. Yeah, I, I think that, and I think a lot of people would agree with me when I say this. I think that Ziggy Stardust, his his uh, his Ziggy Stardust persona, was probably the the one that you know was most powerful, just in terms of um, reach and and again connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I enjoy them all. I mean, Thin White Duke. He's he's been an androgen. He's been he's been everything really, mm-hmm. right? But I think that Ziggy Stardust and, and the musical output around that time too. You know, every artist kind of has a really hot period where they, you know, put out a string of albums that are you know considered their apex. Mm-hmm. And I think that during that period, you had you know Hunky Dory, then you had of course Ziggy Stardust, uh, the man who sold the world before that. But that period, I think that his most prolific music, um, dare I say. Uh, was was um, was put out at that time. Mm-hmm. And what about female musicians and artists? Who's up there for you? In terms of passing, uh, it could be passing. It could be they're still presently here. But in terms of a real powerhouse, somebody who really resonates with your spirit. Um, I've always been, you know, a huge sucker for Joni Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're a Joni Mitchell fan. Yeah, absolutely, uh, I am. Love Tony Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Eight great records in a row right before Hijira, right after Hijira came out. Um, who else in terms of women? 
Like, how about Lee Aaron? <laughs> when, I was, when I was in high school, do you remember Lee Aaron? Yeah, I do. What she about, um, you know, when I think of Bowie too, one of my favorite duos was with Annie Lennox. Um, yes. I love Annie Lennox as well. Yeah, no, so do I. Tremendous voice. Yes. And also, you know, to a degree, uh, a visionary. I remember when Sweet Dreams came out, she had that kind of um, – short cropped uh you know dyed red hair it was like yeah. wow who's this yeah so yeah and and went through a number of permutations visually too mm-hmm. yeah I, I liked her a lot definitely yeah i love her you know the funny thing about this is that after this interview is over i'm gonna have like 16 women that i'd forgotten about and i'm no. gonna be te- texting you <laughs> saying oh what about you know this person or that person yeah yeah, but you know what? This is what I love about the the organic unscripted is because, I mean, if it was, if, you know, I gave you this set of Q&A ahead of time and stuff like that, then, you know, I, I just love hearing what people think about on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that you're limited or restricted. We know that you're expansive in your knowledge base. We know that you have, you know, a great hunger, insatiable hunger for a lot of different talent and for a lot of different reasons to support what all the different musicians and artists and their, their bodies of work would uh, re- represent for you, particularly when this is what you talk about. This is a, a good portion of what your podcast is about. So mm-hmm. I want, I want to go, you know, fast forward here to your podcast. So, you know, was it, uh, first of all, how long have you been podcasting, Brent? Uh, not very long. I started in March actually. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. So I'm on my 35th episode now. Excellent. And mm. what what catapulted you into podcasting? Did you think it was important to diversify yourself in given everything else that you do and it being a, a good blend, a good marriage? Did you think that, you know, in, in order to be relevant and to be current, that you must be a podcaster? What was some of the, the motivating factors for you? Well, I think the first motivating factor was, you know, a couple of years ago, one of my really close friends said to me, why aren't you podcasting? And I said, what is podcasting again? You know, I've heard that. It's like, I've heard that is like a buzzword for something else. Um, And he explained it to me and I I thought, yeah, you know, I I think that's a good idea, but it's one of those things that it's a, it's a pretty big um, venture, you know? So Mm -hmm. I thought, um, I don't know if I can do this myself. Should I try to get somebody to help me with it? But then, you know, we, we spoke again a couple of years later and he said, again, why aren't you doing this? And I said, um, I don't have an answer for you. I really need to be doing this because I had looked into it and I found out about it. And, um, the best thing about it, the best fit for me from the podcasting perspective is that it, it, it served as a natural extension to my most recent book. All my favorite people are broken because it gave those people who are my guests an opportunity to kind of you know, get in on the fun of putting together their playlists of the songs that, you know, make their skin vibrate is the tagline of the show. Um, and, and tell their stories about, you know, their favorite songs, which is really cool for me because I, you know, the stories are interesting, but also the the music that I hear about is fantastic. Like stuff I'd never heard of before, Mm -hmm. you know, from all sorts of people, they talk about Calypso and, and, you know, sixties music and trip hop and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And, uh, um, it just, it, it served me well because like I said, it just, it's, it's an extension of the book and, and, um, it just makes perfect sense to me. And I started, I started it by myself. I mean, I did the research and, and, um, you know, got it up and running and, and, and I'm super happy with it right now. Good for you. Well, congratulations on all your success. Thank and, you very much. Uh, 
you know, and, and what I love about that is because at the heart of that, at the core of that, there's a really, you know, what I love about people uh, and why you're on my show and why I think you're living fearlessly and you're a good fit is, you know, people just stepping into it, people understanding regardless of religious, spiritual beliefs necessarily, because this is not what my show is about. Uh, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But for people who live in the here and now and people understand, you know, how fragile and you would know this from all your research with musicians, you know, I mean, life is fleeting and you would know this on a personal level, too. And, uh, you know, nothing is guaranteed. So the fact that you've got this hunger for life, but it's also wrapped up in gratitude and, you know, you, you're not one of these people who chooses to be a bystander in their life. You just you, you take the bull by the horns and you go, why not me? Why not me? You know, yeah. why not? Why not me? And why not now? So I, I just love the fact that you've stepped into that. And, um, you know, a lot of people would, would look at you and, and glean and go, okay, well, how does this guy have the time? How can you be effective at speaking, writing three books, uh, doing podcasting and everything else that you do outside of also having a personal life? So, mm-hmm. but, I, but I think that just speaks to the spirit of who you are. You know, I, I, I just love Brent and I think that, uh, I think the way that you're emitting your energy, the way that you're connecting with people, what you do for a living, which is all, again, at the crux of it, it's based on passion. Uh, it's based on gumption and for me, living fearlessly. So I just want to say, you know, I'm so honored to be um, on this journey with you. And I know we've just recently met, but there's certain people mm-hmm. who you, you meet and you know, okay, this is somebody who's going to be in my life. This is somebody who I'm going to, you know, continually connect with and, and uh, follow them and, and just sponge up all the yummy stuff because all the stuff you're doing is quite yummy thank you very much those are very kind words i appreciate you saying that thank you well i mean that sincerely and um you know so when we talk about passions Mm -hmm. um what what for all the hats the various hats that you wear could you say uh that there's one aspect of what you do um that you're more passionate about whether it be speaking, whether it be an author, whether it be a podcaster, whether it be just, you know, absorbing up all the, the musical stuff. Um, is there one aspect of what you're doing that really resonates with you more than any of the others? Yeah, I think so. You know, when I was writing, I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, you, you, you were reaching out to people through your craft, right? And I enjoyed the fact that after my book was out there, I would hear from people and, you know, they would talk about how they could relate to the, the stories and that sort of thing. But then, you know, in taking it one step further and kind of shortening that distance um, and speaking with people about the same experiences, um, that was even more gratifying for me because, you, you know, I would speak to, <clears throat> excuse me, I would speak to, you know, like Alan Cross, for example, was on my mm-hmm. show. And we had a great chat about David Bowie and the Beatles and the Who and so forth. And so, you know, these are gratifying experience, but then, um, corporate speaking, you take it even one step further because now you're in person with these yeah. people and you're having, you know, exchanges, you know, maybe not necessarily during the talk, but afterwards when you're signing books and, and you're looking at these people eye to eye, almost like, you know, it's a book signing. Um, but it's just, you know, the, I think for me, getting back to your initial question, the most gratifying aspect is the face to face interaction with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, you know, music based or what have you, but it, yeah, that's, that's definitely what it is. Beautiful. And so as you've continually evolved, not only within your career, uh, and within your passions, but also fundamentally as a human being, in mm-hmm. what ways have you changed as far as evolving? 
and what ways have you remained the same? I've changed in the sense that, you know, I wasn't a great self-marketer before. I was, you know, I was a decent writer and, and you know, I knew a lot about music and that sort of thing. But, you know, doing what I'm doing now really helped me to realize the full extent. It sounds funny, but the full extent of my powers, you know, I realized the things that I can do um, by getting up in front of people and by speaking with people um, personally. Um, so, yeah. Um, and what has been your greatest fear in life? And do you feel you've overcome it? Well, I think my greatest fear is probably, you know, doing that, getting out there and really putting yourself out there because mm -hmm. being a writer, being a writer to a degree is easy, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you, you have all the time in the world, you can polish and edit and everything else. Um, and then you control everything, every aspect of it, right? Because it's very, it's, it's almost, it's very insular that way. And when you're done and when you've decided that you're done on your own terms, then your book goes out. But when you're speaking, it's not just about you anymore. So there's a, there's a degree of fear to be felt there for sure. You know, he's standing mm -hmm. up in front of a bunch of people, um, who, you know, may or may not like your message. Uh, that's pretty fearful. And, 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 you know, you're kind of putting your neck out there a little bit, but, um, you know, if, if you know what you're talking about and if you do a great job, then it, it can be a tremendously rewarding experience. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to dial it back to what you said when you started to initially answer that question about the book and how it's pretty insular and whatnot. You know, I, I would say it, I don't think it's that cut and dried because I think given some of what you've uh, mentioned without giving away everything to do with your books, um, you know, it, it, I think writing is a very vulnerable uh, it, it's a very vulnerable experience because mm -hmm. for anybody to be writing about anything, I mean, there's, yes, there's books that are fact-based or black and white, they're, the, you know, theorized and all this kind of stuff. But I think for who you are and for the overall message and for the types of people that you try to uh, immerse yourself within on a regular basis and being very mindful of alignment and, and honoring yourself and, 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 you know, driving meaning and purpose with other people who also are very, living their lives on purpose. So, you know, that requires being vulnerable. And mm -hmm. a lot of people misunderstand or misconstrue vulnerability as it once was in terms of being very much misunderstood and stereotyped as being uh, a sign of weakness. And for you to do what you do and for you to kind of put your guts out there and to be visible and to be heard and to take the stage and to take the mic, um, you have to be comfortable with being vulnerable so to me mm -hmm. that that embodies strength so i think you're very courageous thank you thank you very much i appreciate that yeah you know you um you make a good point because um you know the whole point of my first book being out there was that it would not be a stale retelling of rock history it would mm -hmm. be a blood and gut story about who i really was and how i really felt and it was very personal and some of the stories in there you know, are, are uncomfortable. They're not pleasant, but I felt like I'd, I wanted to, to, to tell it like it was. I mean, you, you know, people see through that when you, you put out a product and, you know, they kind of say, eh, you know, I wanted this, you know, to, to not have to face that scrutiny. I wanted to be very honest and, and put it all out there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I was successful in doing that. Beautiful. 
Well, and I oftentimes say, because I, I truly wholeheartedly believe it, you know, I think the most beautiful people are the ones who are vulnerable. And I think they're the people, whether it be their story, whether it be what they're talking about face to face on a stage, behind a mic, on TV, whatever the case may be, or even just within your smallest circle of friends, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are the most transparent, the most raw, the most candid, um, you know, and it not being contrived, obviously, but there's your buy-in because as, as fellow human beings, we know, regardless to the degree, some people are operating at different levels of self-awareness or they, you know, they have to have the face and they have to have the guys and they have to have the persona. But we all know at the end of the day, as a human being, particularly when you get to this age stage in life, none of us come out unscathed. So we have all felt the whole myriad and plethora of emotions. And so for you to talk and, and share, which I'm sure you do in that book about you know why certain things uh you you gravitated to certain things or why certain things uh resonated with you you know that's 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 telling it from the inside out and so who can't identify with the emotions that uh were very much part and parcel of that so again i just want to say kudos to you because to me for everything that you've endeavored to do and knowing some of the backstory of other things uh, that we've talked about personally you really are somebody who has stepped into relinquishing and simultaneously embracing who is living fearlessly and I think you're a great role model as well. Thank you well thank you very much I appreciate that. Yeah and I just you know I'd be remiss we you had an opportunity to connect with a mutual friend of ours now um, Mm -hmm. Rob Rob Proust, who I've had on radio. And yeah, uh, yeah, so, you know, without divulging too much, because I know that, you know, sometimes those encounters and those exchanges, they're quite intimate and they're personal and not everything needs to be shared on the airwaves with, you know, people spanning 145 countries here. But what was it like for you and Rob to connect? Fantastic. So, you know, I'd, I'd been, um, a Spoons fan and a Honeymoon Suite fan previously, and I remember him playing in both of those bands. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was, was in New York City and I was meeting with two other people, but Rob thankfully fit me in. And Rob, you know, very successful career, both in those bands and also as the musical director for Mama Mia on Broadway. It's quite an accomplishment for a Burlington kid, right? Yes. So, uh, it was a thrill for me. And, uh, you know, we met and thankfully, as you said, you know, you, you know, and I, I told you that you, you hit the bullseye when you said he was one of the good guys because he truly is one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we sat down, um, you know, at the, at the foot of Central Park with a cup of coffee and, uh, we just had a great chat. I think we were together for about an hour and, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about music. We talked about some ideas that he had. We talked about, you know, my books. And uh, we really connected. He was a really, really great guy. And he's actually doing my show tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's doing it at one. So uh, fantastic guy. Um, you know, that friendship will endure, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah so thanks to you. Kudos to you for uh, for connecting me with him because he's terrific. Well, no, I, I didn't bring it up. I I was actually hoping you weren't going to say anything because it's not about that. <laughs> but no, no, I, no I, I brought that up because, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk about that and I didn't want it directed back on me. I just think when you, when you see quality in people who haven't had the opportunity yet to cross paths with each other, I think as connectors and, you know, trying to uh, create as much beauty in this world as possible, you've really got to connect the right people with the right people. And I, 
based on what I knew of you and the feel that I got of you and what I already know to be true of Rob, I thought these two, outside of the music obviously being very much instrumental in your life and his, pun intended, I really felt that you two needed to connect because I do consider him very much salt of the earth and uh, and I feel that for you as well. So I, I love it when two people who I know connect and 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 hit it off for the same reasons that I for the same stellar qualities I see in each of them. So that's amazing. Thank you. So, you know, in terms of the future, um, because you're somebody who is doing things at a momentous pace, um, what else is in store for you? What else are you manifesting? What else is on the horizon? Oh, there's all sorts of stuff. I, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I'm co-founding this company called uh, the Firefly Group of Companies where it will, um, it'll host the, the speaking engagements. Um, <clears throat> I think that I apologize, Lisa. We talked about this earlier. I'm just getting over a cold. So, Me too. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, uh, I'm, I'm working on, um, a corporate offsite program now where, you know, companies would spend the afternoon, um, you know, in my care and I would take them through, uh, you know, their playlists and we'd kind of do a, a mock-up of all my favorite people are broken because again, people, you know, certainly identify with music and you learn a lot about yourself by doing it. So there's that project. Um, there's a bunch of stuff on the go. I'm talking to, I talked to a guy in New York about, um, uh, the potential for a documentary maybe. It, yeah. There's also like, I mean, you know, Lisa, it's, it's limited. It's limitless when, yeah. when, when you're in this position, right. And you and I have followed um, very similar paths. And when you're at this point and you're an author and you're a speaker, you're really putting yourself out there and the people that you meet, you know, might say, Hey, you know, have you tried this? Right. Or, or um, you know, you should talk to this person and then you have a new idea. And it, it, and that's the thing I love the most. You know, I, I worked in, in, in finance for a very long time. Um, and it kind of tends to get mechanical because you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're on a certain path and it's very kind of linear, you know, mm-hmm. but, but with this, I find that you can go in every which way in all kinds of directions and it's really exciting. Fantastic. Well, mm-hmm. I, and I, I would have to attest to that because yeah, the more visible you are, the more your stuff is ramped up, the more you're resonating with people and, you know, and it, we don't do it for stats. We don't do it for accolades. It's really to impart our message and connect with the masses. And there really is no better platform to do that than, you know, podcasting and writing books because mm-hmm. it's getting into the hands, the eyes, the ears of people you will never necessarily know on a first name basis or in person. So, um, yeah, you know, and come into your life, you being a perfect example, it shows up, the right people show up. I, yeah. I think the more exceptionally clear you are about who you are, knowing what your purpose is, knowing what your mission or your plight is and honoring yourself within that, you know, the yumminess shows up, the yummy people, the opportunities, and you're right, everything is limitless. Um, so I love the fact that you're just like living life on purpose and and, and setting your intentions and, and just having fun with it. Um, but you know what, we're, we've got about seven minutes more, actually probably about five minutes left to go. So I want to give people an opportunity to know where, how can they connect with you? Brent, when can they tune into your podcast? Where can they find your books and where can they reach out to you on social media? Okay. So, uh, social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and easy to find. It's, uh, no sleep till Sudbury or Brent Jensen, just a quick search. 
the books are easily found on amazon.com.ca, you know, worldwide. Um, mm-hmm. And again, very quick search. So the three books uh, in order are No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover mm-hmm. People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. And then uh, I've also got a website that is uh, nosleeptillsudbury.org that houses all of the podcasts and blogs and information about the books and a bio and that sort of thing. Um, so there's that. And then the podcasts are, uh, there's one a week. They're available every, you know, Tuesday morning. Uh, you can get them on iTunes. And again, the show is called No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brett Jensen. So easily found when you do your, um, <clears throat> you, excuse me, your uh, Apple search. Uh, but also uh, through my website, they're on Stitcher Radio. They're everywhere. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I would really encourage the listeners to, to connect with Brent. Go, you know, go listen to him. Go check out his books on Amazon. If you get the books, make sure you do a review. Make sure that you share the wealth with everybody that you know. Uh, you know, we're not here to hoard the good stuff. We're here to share the good stuff and everything Brent's endeavoring to do, the message in which he chooses to impart in all these vehicles and platforms, uh, to connect with people, you know, connect with Brent. And I just want to make it clear too, Jensen is spelled J-E-N-S-E-N, not yes. O-N. A lot of people. I get a lot. Know. Well, and I, I'm very cognizant of that because I'm McDonald. People think I'm a McDonald. So I automatically mm-hmm. correct other people's names where I think there's an opportunity for it to be misspelt or misunderstood. So I just want to say, Brent, this has been a real treat. I look forward to bringing you back on down the road when there's more things to share with the listeners. And just very succinctly, very, very briefly, because I have to do my outro here as well. What would you say to the listening audience for those who are sitting on the fence with living fearlessly and not quite knowing what that means or how to get out of the, the rut? I've told a lot of people this in the past. Identify your brand and follow it through. You will be you will be shocked at what you can actually do. You know, it, it, it's just past your fingertips. You just need to push a little harder, reach a little higher, and I guarantee you will get to where you want to go. If you're writing a book, sit down, lock the door, finish it. Don't listen to people saying, "Hey, you know what? You're ready. Who cares about your book? Finish it. Get it out there. Reach out to people. People are waiting to hear from you. Push harder." Love it. Love it, Brent. Thank you so much. I love all the nuggets that you've shared with us. And I always take notes when I'm listening to my guests. So I always encourage people to, if you're not here to listen to the live show, play back the encore, take notes. Uh, there's always things to be learned from everybody. And I always learn from my incredible guests. So thank you, Brent. I just thank want you. to say to you, yes, thank you. So I just want to say to my listening audience, once again, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to tune into myself and my guest today, Brent Jensen. Uh, for those of you who are loyal listeners who take the time out of your schedule to either join us here with the live show or playing back the podcast link, sharing the podcast link. I want to thank you for being now one of over 370,000 living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald podcast subscribers could not be doing this by myself. Uh, you know, I really attribute a lot of that stats wise and everything else to the phenomenal top tier people who are appearing on my show, everybody, whether they be household name or not, but everybody has brought something uniquely signature to them, which I've learned 
tons and tons. And I've heard that back from you in terms of the testimonials too. So I want to thank you very much. I want to thank those who continue to live fearlessly. I want to thank my sponsor again, Halt and Honda. I want to thank my friends and family over at C-Suite Radio Network in New York, where again, my podcasts get uploaded on my host page. And I want to thank the Contact Talk Radio Network. Look forward to being back here again with another phenomenal guest next Friday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern on the Contact Talk Radio Network with Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Uplifting you to fear less and to live more. Take care. All my best. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. Visit her at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.